just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right, how's it going today, Scott? Doing well, doing well. I'm excited for this one. Another one uh, taking a little bit of a different path. So uh, connected with this guy on LinkedIn and, and loved uh, what he's working on and his message and, and the book he wrote. And again, I, I think it's a, a good fit. We, we keep saying we're a little bit off on a different path, but we always came to, seem to be bringing it back to being a good fit with us. So I'm excited and uh, I, I really, I like what we've been doing. And, and I think today is a great addition to that. Yeah, it's like a little literature series. Hopefully people enjoy it and they can, yeah. you know, we can promote some authors for sure. But uh, we'll get to guests in a moment. For the, In the meantime, Adam, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. So we uh, just passed Labor Day weekend out here. So the kids are, are fully back in school. So I, I am getting back to a place where I can offer some sports updates. So I'll, I'll start there. Had an awesome uh, Labor Day weekend out here. The waves were, were pumping. We've got a couple uh, hurricanes that are spinning off the coast. So the waves have just been firing for the last uh, three days. Been uh, spending a lot of time in the water with the kids, which is, is fantastic. Uh, and then we've got middle school soccer starting tomorrow. And then the, the club season comes quickly behind that. So as we've talked about in the past, uh, I think I've put together a really good team in this offseason. So it's going to be interesting as we as we start the season and get things rolling. So I'll have more scores and updates as, as we keep going. Um, but to Scott's point, this is another one that's a little bit off topic for us, but I, I think it actually, once we get through the discussion, I think it's going to land perfect with where the rest of our discussions are. And I'm, I'm excited for it in a couple of different ways. So the first one is we've got a group of dads here on the phone and, and Andy, uh, who's the author that's with us, is going to share a, a really good background about his uh, his story as a dad and, and, and as a parent and, and the catalyst that sort of led him on his path. But I think the other part of the discussion is around sort of life as an adventure and thinking about what you want to do in this adventure. And from my perspective, you know, Scott's mentioned this in the past. I think that might be how I approach life a little bit. I, I sort of think about it as an adventure or, or art. But I think that as an industry, what this reminds us is that everyone who's coming to us to stay in our units is on some sort of an adventure. Now, maybe that's an adventure they chose. Maybe that's an adventure that they've been brought on. Maybe it's an adventure, as we've talked about in the past, to see a loved one that might be you know, not in great health or, or at the end of their path. So it's interesting as you start to think about adventure and how we want to define that and what we want to get out of those adventures. I think this ties directly back to what we do as managers on a day-to-day basis. So, so very excited for this one and to chat with Andy. Awesome. Yeah. that That's some good context there. You know, your little interlude reminded me of though, Adam, when you were saying like the team is good, it's uh, the NFL football season starts here in a few days and it's like all the teams, all the fans of all the teams out there. It's like last year's over this year. It's all going to be good. So you got to have that like blind optimism as we all do as well. As look, I, as the coach. So as a, I agree with you as a fan, we're all in that same boat, right? It's the beginning yeah. of the season. And we're all like, Hey, we're going to be the best we've ever been as a coach. I'm on the other side of this, you know, still being relatively new to the coaching side of things where I'm I'm trying to build these teams and I can see it from the inside, sort of like a business owner putting the pieces together. And while you do know that it's going to be a great summer at the beginning of the summer, you also wonder where are those holes on the team and how do I fill them and, and make it work? So it, it's definitely an interesting process at the beginning of a season. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to line up all the talent, especially when you can't just pay and get the talent. Like it's exactly. limited geographically. That's for sure. Um, at the level that you're at, but awesome. We'll go Andy's direction. Andy, welcome to the show. We appreciate your time and joining us today. Um, we wanted to, uh, if you could give a little bit of background about yourself, that'd be fantastic. A few minutes summary would be awesome. And then if you don't mind, before you do that, could you also give us a song that best describes you too? So the song I would have to say, you know, I kind of a fan of that Southern rock coastal 
you know, a, a little snare drum here and there and, and a nod to Jimmy Buffett. Uh, but I always kind of feel like uh, the next Jimmy Buffett, uh, God rest his soul, uh, would be a little of that Kenny Chesney, Zach Brown, kind of Southern Rock Coastal, right? So I'm a homegrown guy. You can see the, the map behind me is, is where I grew up. And it's really the formation of uh, my adventurous spirit. Um, and so as a boy, I grew up with a, a boat from the time I was 13, kind of like Huffman with a motor. So I'm going to have to go with Zach Brown's homegrown. Nice. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's another new band. Yeah, I don't think we have any other Zach Brown on there to my yeah. knowledge. But it's we there's so many songs on there. I don't remember all the songs on there. It just feels like we haven't had that before. So <laughs> well, at least it wasn't chicken fry, right? Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks, Andy. That's good. We'll add it to the Spotify playlist and then we can add more variety in there. And then also, would you mind giving just a few minute background about you, how the book came to be um, in your history so far? Sure. I mean, as I alluded to, I'm from a small island of two thousand people in Savannah, Georgia. I, I grew up kind of like Huffman with a motor. Um, with a boat from the time I was 13 years old, working at marinas and being around the docks and then in the intercoastal waterway. Went on to live on a sailboat, served four deployed in the Navy, uh, out of Japan, launching jets off the flight deck. Um, so I was out sea a lot and covered a good chunk of the Eastern Hemisphere. Um, but then, you know, landed, uh, I did something brilliant and, uh, and I eloped to Vegas while on leave. And uh, for some amazing reason, I uh, can't imagine, but that unfortunately didn't last, but uh, not before I found myself a single father uh, of a one and a half year old here, a fish out of water in St. Louis. And so, um, you know, I stayed a single dad for six years and uh, did eventually remarry. And and when uh, my son was, uh, you know, he was 12, he was in sixth grade. Uh, it really began uh, what became a six year long battle to save his life. He was wrestling with uh, anxiety and depression and, and drug and alcohol abuse and as a passionate father, I read all the books, um, you know, poured my heart and soul into being the best dad I could for my son, and and I couldn't save him. And so that process, right, it's not a, a singular event, but it's a long unfolding um, that you kind of find yourself in. And it took its toll on me. And um, one night, I, I discovered adventure, an adventure motorcycling video. And uh, these guys in the backcountry of Colorado, and this drone footage, and it was stunning. And I had a visceral reaction, and and that's what really, you know, I bought a bike a month later, and, and that really kind of led me uh, down this road of unpacking this relationship to uh, adventure, and uh, and that original visceral reaction to that video, I kind of wanted to know why it was important, and, and, and what was that, and who should care, and why. So, Andy, you mentioned uh, an island out of Savannah. Is that Tybee? No, it's uh, even much smaller, even. Uh, it's called Isle of Hope. Oh yeah, okay, that's great. Well, you having uh, been on a on a sailboat serving people, as well as being in a small island off of Georgia, I think you can probably relate to the vacation rental industry that that we're in pretty well. Then, sure, my wife and I are looking at one now. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Well, I guess, um, Andy, I'm curious, kind of like the adventure that you 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 were seeking when you saw that video. Was it like I want to go do something crazy, or is it more just like I want to see new things? I'm curious about that angle. What was the uh, initial thing that drew you to that that piece? Well, fair question, and and the honest answer is I wasn't looking for an adventure or anything. Uh, I was just couldn't sleep as a father, and it was 2 a.m. and I was just scrolling through YouTube, and somehow this video crossed my path. I'm a voter. You know, so I don't even know how that video crossed my path, to be honest. It just did. <laughs> it's so, but I had a visceral reaction to it, and it definitely spoke into 
uh, an apparent uh, need in my in my heart and in my my gut. Mm-hmm. So, Andy, what what changes when you see you realize? All right, there adventure is something that you are drawn to for whatever reason, and and I'm sure we'll unpack that a little bit. But what are the actions that you take? What changes once you realize that hey, adventure is missing in, in your life? Yeah, for me, you know, I, I bought that. I bought an adventure my first adventure motorcycle kind of a month later, and I started to dig in, and it really instilled in me the capacity the capacity to heal and grow stronger for the road ahead as a father uh, and a husband, heck, and a friend and a and a brother and a son, right? Um, it just you know, all too often we're pouring out, we pour out, we pour out, and uh, you know, and we forgot, we forget to kind of take care of ourselves. And the impact is we begin to react to life versus respond to it because we just don't have any capacity. So you know, we're we're just bent, we're just exhausted a, a lot of times emotionally or, or otherwise. And so the, the biggest thing for me right up front when I began to ride was my wife didn't like the, the fact that I rode, but she loved the way I came home. I, I was just available. And so that was the, the biggest first thing I noticed as a, as a benefit of taking on adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny. We, we've talked about this. So, so Andy, I'm a, I'm a mountain biker with the one without the engine. Um, and, and, and my wife and, you know, she was on the podcast not too long ago. And, and that is the way that we manage me at home is she'll look at me some days and be like, get out of here and go ride and and again you you come home and, and it's and it's just it's all gone right I mean it, it is it, it can change everything I mean I there were a couple things the one thing in the book that really caught me is not only were you out doing the adventure but when the when the motorcycle broke down right and you came through for yourself right and and that that adventure right and coming through for yourself just continues to fuel that fire I'd I love that part of the book, right? Because I, I think as men, we're all looking for something like that. And for it to be achieved on an adventure, man, there's there's an exclamation point next to that one. Well, hey, thanks for reading the book. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I, yeah. I put myself into it. Um, it's kind of powerful vulnerability in there because uh, it scared the heck out of me to, to do it. But uh, <laughs> so I appreciate it. I'm glad there's something in there. And, and that's an absolute truth, right? You know, all adventure by definition is getting uncomfortable and exploring the unknown, uh, often with an element of risk, but uh, the brain doesn't like risk. So I leave that one out um, and, and seeking excitement. And there's something that happens. I, I really spent five years unpacking the kind of the, the practices associated with, the, with adventure um, and how we can incorporate those into daily life and the specific outcomes and, and definitely trust uh, and excitement are, are key outcomes associated with uh, the five powerful practices. So I'm I'm definitely want us to get to those five practices, Andy, because I was I was looking at those and, and think they a they're just great life lessons, but b I feel like there's a lot that we as managers, as business people, as an industry can can take away from those as well. Uh, if nothing else, then to relate to the people who are coming on adventure when they're staying with us. But I, I think there's actually practical business pieces. But I don't want to lose sight of of where this all started for you. So I at least want to put a bow on on the uh, on your son's story a little bit. What was the end result? So as after you started going out and getting adventure and sort of burning some of that energy that's inside of you, how did you start to write the path with with the rest of the family? Well, you know, I'm very careful to tell my own story. My wife had her experience of, of you know, that that opportunity, that challenge, that period, that season. And, and my son has his own. 
as he began to heal, and he really did, he had to take ownership of his own choices and his own life. And uh, that might be the hardest part for me as a father um, of, a, of a young man. At some point, uh, the most powerful lesson I learned as a dad is that I had to let go of my need to control his outcome. Um, so I'll say that again. As a dad, uh, I had to let go of my need to control his outcome. And that was a, a really challenge and trust that the, the seeds of wisdom uh, that I had uh, tried to impart and, and give him uh, would, you know, give him the opportunity to let them, let, you know, let him show me that he was hearing me and that was fertile ground. Um, and so, you know, he, he graduated high school a year early. Uh, he got into powerlifting and really began to heal and grow. He served two weeks in, in Haiti on a mission trip. He's a PADI certified. You know, at 17, he was PADI certified. And, and he went on to become uh, one of the strongest, uh, well, the strongest 17-year-old on the planet and, and was asked to compete uh, in, for Team USA in the World Powerlifting Championships. And he did, broke four state records. Um, and uh, was a, the number one seven, the number one strongest 17 year old in the 220 pound weight class and the sixth strongest 17 year old on the planet in any weight class. And so, uh, he, he did accomplish all kinds of things, uh, fear of heights. Uh, he went on to, you know, experiment with being a cell tower technician and traveling the country, climbing towers. Uh, so he did all kinds of stuff, really embracing some of the precepts of, of uh, living adventurously, right? Getting uncomfortable and exploring the unknown. So, uh, you know, I, I think we we all as a family really grew out of uh, the experience and, and we're all happy and healthy today. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. And I can respect that everybody's got their own story and that makes a lot of sense to me too. And I, I also appreciate your your words of wisdom there about uh, being a dad and, and having to release a little bit and let them live their life. And it's, it's much easier said than done. So I, I commend you for doing that. But do you find, uh, based on your experience, that uh, the adventure is what helped you start to have that release is so I, there's a couple things that are rolling through my mind. One is, as we talk about this as four guys on this, it, it, a component of this feels like it's has something to do with men, right? It feels like men need some sort of action to Scott's point, get out of the house and go do something. And I, I feel like there's a component of that, but then bigger than that is, does everyone need adventure in their life to sort of pull them out of, out of whatever the rut is that they're in. And the rut could just be a, a normal everyday life, or it could be a big life experience that you're trying to work yourself through. Do we, do we all need this adventure? I would say yes. Um, I mean, as a, a certified uh, facilitator for experiential learning, um, if we learn from our experiences, uh, I, I would suggest that that's a gross understatement. All of life is an experience, yeah. right? Right. And so, whether it's the hero's journey, experiential learning theory, you know, we when we practice getting uncomfortable, right, and taking on a challenge, that's the difference between living an accidental life, where we're, we're real, right. The brain wants us to stay really comfortable and safe, but that's not where reward comes from. That's not where happiness comes from. That's not where uh, fulfillment or accomplishment, achievement comes from. And so, yes, I would say that absolutely all people, male, female, uh, children, adults, adult learning is a big aspect of all of this. Um, yeah, it's, it's critical. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. And 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 I love the book and, and Conrad's going to post the links to it and everything. And, and it's a book that I definitely recommend. I mean, I, I took so much from it. I mean, for me, Andy, I actually 
and I operate like your father, right? So, so I was only a couple pages in, and when you wrote about your father, about the hardworking, right? And even there was a moment where I was like, oh shit, but, but, but I'll tell you the, I, I like the fact of just getting started, right? And, and the one that I connected with most that, that it, some will find funny, but I am a big habit and routine guy, but your buddy with the yoga, right? And the fact that he decides to try yoga and the first thing he does is he does a pose that's nothing more than laying down. And that's how he starts yoga, right? But then he he carries that into, you know, this this growth. And, and so so I, I think a lot of people look at it as this stuff is so out of reach, right? And it's hard and you don't have time and all that stuff. But but small steps like that, and we've talked about this, right? And we've talked about it from atomic habits, right? And the bicycles, right, and all that stuff. But but the smallest thing can breed such amazing changes, right? You being prompted with it, with that, you know, on YouTube, it changes everything. And, 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 and the one thing that I really, really, one of the five things that I really enjoyed that I've been, I've been working through a lot of it. And one is allowing, right? I, I think there's so much power in allowing, but, but later in the book, you ask really the question about asking yourself what you really want. And, and I think as you start to line these things up, Right. I mean, I want to do a lot of things, but it's just getting started. So so I loved the part about your buddy starting yoga and and doing the the pose where he's just laying down. I, I mean, it, it's about getting started, I, I, I think. A hundred percent. I completely agree. It's uh, we have the kind of a culture of almost hyper comparison. And, and oftentimes we can give um, others way too much credit and ourselves not enough. Um, and so what's a version of it? Clarity is our guiding, our guiding, our guidepost. So getting that vision to speak into that point, that's how we know what to say yes to and what to say no to, what to give our time, money, and energy, energy to, and what not to give our time, money, and energy to. There's a lot of waste going on out there for, for sure. Uh, and, and in my own life, it's for me to reflect and, and manage myself. Um, but definitely getting that clarity as you, as you know, reading the book, that it, it really starts with the position, positioning of our mind and heart first. And then once we establish that clarity, position our mind and heart, and then we can really uh, put it into gear and get going, which is a lot of fun. Well, I want to I want to tie this back to the industry real quick, Conrad, and then and then maybe we can get into Andy's five principles. And I think they'll tie back to the industry relatively well. So a couple of things that Andy just mentioned there that I think is part of the transition or the evolution that's happening right now in the vacation rental industry. I, I think the first word that jumped out to me was safety, that we're all sort of accustomed to just being safe and staying safe. And I think that's what's happening. My impression of the industry right now is that the industry is telling ourselves we're safe. Don't worry about it. We're good. Don't worry about the numbers that might be going down or the reservations that are harder to get or the ADRs that are slipping. We're good. Don't worry about it. I think that we might be uh, lulling ourselves to sleep a little bit, trying to be safe when we need to start looking at this as more of an adventure. And to Andy's point, every experience is an adventure. And I think as an industry, we need to start embracing this adventure and the evolution that's coming next. The other part that that struck me with Andy and, and what he was mentioning there was, was waste and then giving a lot of other people credit when you know that you have more control. Again, going back to this industry, huge amount of waste in this industry, especially coming out of COVID. We did not put our attention into the right areas. We started to do the easy things, listing on Airbnb or the OTAs, not putting our time into marketing, not building the strong teams that we need to build. So we're all trying to convince ourselves that the old ways, the COVID ways are safe and we can keep doing it. We're not making the changes that we need to make. 
and we're letting this waste stay in this industry. I think we need to eliminate this waste. And as we do this, I think we need to stop looking at the competitors and saying, oh, well, they're doing it too. We need to realize that we have the control to step back and take control of where we are. As we talked with Amy a couple of weeks ago, I think this is very similar to where we were in 2008 for a number of different reasons, but it's time for us to grab control of our businesses and start to manage them, which will in turn build the industry the way that we want to, to build it and the vision that we collectively on, on this podcast talk about. I guess the way I think about that, Adam, is like the common thread between both of these topics is like being honest with yourself. And it's hard for a lot of people to be honest with themselves. So the the industry angle would be, you know, you if you stick your head in the sand and don't really think about it too much, then, you know, you, you could just pretend like things are going to keep going the same way they are. And that works until it doesn't. And then you have some sort of, you know, hopefully not catastrophic, but potentially very damaging business effect. Oh, geez, I can't make payroll. Oh, geez, these bookings are down so much. I need to like, you know, get rid of a team member or lay someone off or something. And it's unfortunate to say that I've seen that this year. I've seen people who have kind of had to contract after doing nothing but growing for some time, both on the like vacation rental manager side and on the vendor side. I've seen both of those situations occur, unfortunately. And that's not good. I mean, I don't think anyone wants that to happen, but I think that comes from not being honest with yourself back to the adventure piece, I think the same thing applies to some degree, right? Like if if you're not willing to be honest with yourself about where you are, or like you were saying earlier, Andy, you're comparing yourself to someone else who's giving you sort of a fabricated, not realistic version of their life. Like you follow someone on Instagram and you think they are always doing these awesome, interesting things. And a lot of what they're doing is their laundry and, you know, going to the gym and doing very basic things, right? Like I think both that's, that's my take on what you just said there, Adam, is that if people aren't honest with themselves, it's very challenging to get to like the truth in the business would be like, here's what we're dealing with. Here's how to fix it and just be more rational and calm and kind of level-headed about that, um, more Scott-like and less, you know, uh, you know, not just like all over the place with it. And then same thing personally, right? It, you know, being honest with yourself and being like, ah, I am in a rut. Ah, I'm not really doing what I need to be doing and then going from there. So I don't know what your perspective is on that, Scott, but that's how I see that is being honest with yourself is the hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and I think it, I think people let it get to where it's too bad, right? I mean, I think people get to where they're stuck. And, and you know, I, I can say just from my own past experience, right? And again, I can only, I'm a certified male, right? I can't speak for females, but, but I will tell you just from my view is I think as men, we'll find adventure one way or another, right? And it's either going to be healthy adventure or it'll be all the unhealthy adventure that's right outside the door, right? And, and I've gone down both paths, right? I've gone down the unhealthy adventure, right? And it's wrecked some stuff, but, but I think, and, you know, when you tie it back to business, you can do the same thing in business, right? I mean, it, it's it's us leading the business. So we're tricking ourselves if we pretend that, oh, I run the business differently. It's like, uh, no, you don't. You run the business. So your shit goes with the business, right? So so, so I, I think even in some of the stuff that Adam and I have working on, it, it has been, how do, we, how do we find new, right? How do we find adventure? How do we do new things? And, and Adam and I are constantly working on how are we rebuilding ourselves? And Andy, we went to a retreat, um, an industry retreat called Keystone. And really they started with this premise of start fixing yourself first, right? What's really you, where do you want to be? And, and they asked what you really want, but asked it in a different way. I liked how you just went straight at what you really want. And ultimately they said, well, now, now how does the business follow you? And Adam and I were fortunate enough that we did it together but Conrad, I, I think to your point, I, I think that they're very interrelated, right? And, and I mean, I, I think as this moves forward and you take it all the way down to Adam's perspective is as you do things, other people are going to take note and, and come with you, right? Whether it's vulnerability, right? And and I think that's a big missing piece. And 
you know, we talked about and we've got Verma coming up and everyone's getting ready to go tell everyone else how great their business is, right? When when the other side of it is you have an opportunity with, you know, 3,000 people to figure out answers to things that you're struggling with, right? So, 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 you know, and Andy brought it up, it's vulnerability. I think my perspective is that's a huge missing part. But, but I think it's, you know, then you throw an atom and it's do it now before you have to, because the moment's coming where you're, you're going to have to, right? Whether it's next week, a year from now, that moment's coming. And, and how many of us live with that thing hanging over our head, knowing that it's coming and just hoping it's not tomorrow, but when it gets here, we'll deal with it. Andy, are you familiar with um, Ramit Sethi? Have you read any of his stuff? Are you familiar with him? No. No. Okay. So he has this thing. I think it's relevant to what you've written a little bit as well. So I'll ask you about it where um, the, the ultimate question, is that what you really want? He talks about that in his version. It's like people have this vision of he's like a financial kind of person. So he would give advice on like maybe like retirement or saving money or something like that. And he'll ask someone who's let's say in their forties or something like that. And he'll say, well, what do you want to do when you retire? And then they'll say like, oh, I don't know. I just want to like have more control of my time. Or they give like very vague, non-specific answers. And he kind of presses them and they're not, people aren't used to being pressed when they're asked a question like that. And he makes them get very specific and he makes them list like exactly what they would do. Like, oh, well, I would do this exact trip where I would say this exact thing, or I would really like to go to this restaurant and invite my 10 best friends and pay for the whole tab. And it would be a whole thing. And then he sometimes shows them that like what they're asking or what they want to do is actually sometimes not that complicated or that expensive. So they have this vision that like, oh, I can do that when I have a million dollars, but they only need like a thousand dollars to do what it is that they really want to do. So why not do it now? Or why not plan and do that in the short term? So I guess my question to you then is how do you get someone to, they say, you ask someone whatever they really want and they give a very non-specific answer, vague answer. Like I want more adventure. Well, that's not specific enough. You had like something you saw, like the motorcycling or something that's a little bit more specific. I want to ride on this mountain in Colorado with my two friends and do this kind of thing. So I guess I'm curious your perspective on that. How do you take the vague idea of adventure and narrow it down into something that's a little bit more tangible or that you can plan? So many thoughts in my head right now <laughs> from so many different uh, you know, comments, for sure. So to answer that specifically, uh, if you can't tell, I'm a pretty straightforward guy. Uh, I, I'm not a beat around the bush kind of person. So if somebody doesn't have clarity, then I'm just going to ask them to get, get <laughs> you got to do more work. Um, the, and that is work. I mean, it, it took me a, a, a several rounds and, and well over a year, and it continues to evolve my vision for, for, for what Always Adventure is and, and it can be. Um, so it's just asking them, all right, you need more clarity. What does it sound like? And you can go all the way into that morning. What does your morning look like? What does it smell like? Who's with you, right? What are you looking at? What are you wearing? You know, what are you drinking? What are you eating? Like As much detail as possible. What's that day look like? And then you can build it out from there, but definitely uh, pushing for more detail because, uh, again, clarity is, is critical. Andy, what were the five principles that you came away with? Because I think that starts to tie things back uh, to, to us individually, to us as, as business managers and, and ultimately the bigger picture of the industry. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll t so we'll get into that. Happy to. I want to kind of speak into something Scott was talking to talking sure. about the vulnerability. Um, Men have a, a tendency to isolate. Let, let's be honest. The, the best planners are typically our partners. My wife is definitely much better planner than I am. Right? And so, you know, what, what ends up happening? You know, the husband and wife or the, the couple tend to go out with another couple, and they're like, I just do. I show where my wife goes. I don't know. Man. 
You know, I'm controlling these other things, but she controls kind of where I go and what I do. Um, and so, and so, and we look at just the industrial revolution and just how men communicating or expressing emotion or vulnerability. Uh, it's kind of just not taught to us by our fathers and our fathers' fathers, right? And I go in back beyond the, the depression era. But powerful vulnerability is a centuries-old truth or, or teaching or virtue. Um, the idea of connection or iron sharpens iron. Uh, iron can't sharpen iron. Uh, a, you have to have good men around you that you trust. And, and you got to be willing to just be honest. There is, I, I don't call it vulnerability. I call it powerful vulnerability. To not be willing to be vulnerable uh, is to kind of shrink and play small and not really have trust who you really are, the man that you are, the human that you are. And I think that when you are powerfully vulnerable, being vulnerable doesn't determine your who you really are. It's not an indicator. It's not negative. It's actually strength. Because you know who you are, you can rest in it. Does that make sense? Very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so when we're when we have a tribe around us, a close knit group um, of just strong men and women um, that are up to something, and we have our go to key people where we can open up and connect uh, as a tribe or a, a group of friends, man, you can get a lot done really fast because it's a fool's errand to believe that you don't have blind spots. Right, we all have them, and it's it's just prudent to check your blind spots, whether it's in your personal life or in your business. I mean, there there was an era of the Sears to bring it back to work. You know, Sears is no longer right. Bed Bath and Beyond going away. Blockbuster gone, and they talk about it in the book Good to Great. I mean, if we're not constantly evolving and checking our blind spots, which takes powerful vulnerability and and a good tribe around you that you trust and being able to trust, that's another big factor man yeah yeah careful how comfortable you are with your business for sure and in your in your life so so i don't know if that stepped into that that was a little tangent off the of scots because that was something i was thinking about uh but well that i think that correlates really well with what we've been talking about andy as well scott's been talking about vulnerability and and how we collectively have all the answers you know since the beginning of this podcast and 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 we all agree with that i mean i think that the harder part one, one is getting the realization and saying, yes, I agree with that concept. I think the harder part is getting the tribe together, getting the group together, building that vulnerability and having everybody get the habits that can lead towards that evolution. Uh, but having the discussions is the start. And I, I feel like as an industry, we're starting to have those discussions. Scott mentioned Keystone, which is a group that started to open that up. So I, I am confident that we're headed in the right direction. Uh, it's, it's a slower process than what we might want, but we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Hey, hey, Andy, we, we, you know, when we get into, you know, for, for us and like everyone, right. The COVID boom was just a, a level that no one expected, right. I mean, just everything's through the roof and and we've talked about it, a place that you can, you could rent for 200 bucks a night you were doing for 500. Right. And no one could explain why, but it just was. And, and, but, but as things settle, right. First, you got half of us that are pretending that no, it, everything's just as good. Right. And and we talk about data, right? Revenue management tools, right? And who's the best? And, you know, there's four different revenue management tools and how do you get it, right? And how do you piece it together and how are you looking at it? And and one of the things that we've talked about is if you just stop, we all have the answer. We have our answer. You have your answer. Conrad, if the three of us talk, 
we have all we have the collective answer. We go, oh, how are you doing here? Well, I'm doing here. Well, what's your struggle? My struggle is this. Oh, well, I'm doing it a little bit different this way. And you look at it and go, but yet when we have the opportunity at these at these big you know conventions, none of that happens, right? Everyone's going in to say everything's fine here, right? I mean, a few weeks ago there was a podcast where uh, uh, one of the guys uh, in the industry he gets on the podcast and essentially starts with. No, our market's been really strong. And I got to tell you, it hasn't been much of a thing. And then he says, I forget what the sentence was in between. And his next sentence was, but I got to tell you, trying to manage these owners through this downtime, it's like, well, well, well wait a minute, dude. Like, what, what, And who are you helping? Are you helping you? Are you helping? Like, and so it's just a, there's just this moment of like, we all have the answer. And to your point with the tribe, if we would all sit down, we could all be so much stronger because I can guarantee you, Adam and I have answers for half of your issues. Here's our hook is we don't have answers for the shit that you have answers to. Right. And if we talk, then we're going to give you a hand. You're going to give us a hand and we both end up winning. Right. And, and I think that is such a missing component, both in life and in business. I, I think it's hugely it just just, a, you know, you said fool's errand. I mean, Going, going and hanging out with all of these people and to come home with not, not having said what your number one problem is or not having asked people what they're doing about it is, is the most foolish thing you can do. Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, Andy. Maybe we could go in that direction from a moment ago about those five practices and kind of maybe we can map that to each of these different challenges. I mean, this is one, but there's a lot more, I think, that you uncovered as well in the book. Yeah, I'd be mean, happy to. The, the whole point is to live from the inside out, not the outside in, right? Like stop looking for solutions outside of yourself. Uh, real, what you're looking for is already inside of you. Um, and I think that's a that's a core truth for me. Um, it, it's just doing the work to, to unpack it. And so this is how I would propose that you unpack it, these five powerful practices, right? So in short, we just kind of touch on one and then the outcome, and then I'll let y'all ask any, anything you want about either one of them and go that, that way. Perfect. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. So clarity, we've, we've talked about. Um, so the number one practice is the practice of allowing. Uh, of the five and, and kind of a six coming on board here, um, <laughs> spoiler alert, but uh, it came to me last. Um, and, and I noticed that there were a lot of successful people around me that were not allowing themselves to believe in this other possibility, whether it's a charging a fee that was far beyond what they thought was possible or allowing themselves uh, to move past this kind of old narrative that they came up with about themselves from childhood. Most people have a I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, or I'm not enough conversation going on. And whether it's a traumatic experience from your youth or a simple experience and you just live out this story that's just not the truth, whatever we're carrying from our past that's keeping us from moving powerfully forward, we gotta allow ourselves to really own that and get complete with the past and, and and really allow ourselves to believe in a new possibility so no matter what that looks like so the practice of allowing it is rich it, it can be applied in a lot of different ways but uh, the outcome of the practice of allowing is really change it's the catalyst for all change nothing happens until we allow ourselves and position ourselves to believe in a new possibility and get complete with the past Andy, what's your definition of allow? How do you, how do you think about that? Is that like a, a surrender where you're like, like water would be the example, right? Like you're allowing whatever life is bringing you, you're sort of flowing with 
whatever it's bringing you or what's your perspective on allowing? I think it's scenario specific, you know, but generally whenever there's a bottleneck um, in the flow of our life to use that, to stick with that analogy, um, then and it's allowing ourselves to get to release that bottleneck. So whatever, and then open ourselves up to be able to move forward. So it's, it's almost like there's a dam in the stream, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's not allowing ourselves to flow um, in alignment with our intended purpose and vision. So that, that can look like anything. Okay. Love it. And the next so, one? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> number two, um, and these first two are the positioning of our mind and heart for the road ahead. And so number two, I think it's irrefutable, gratitude, right? The, the primary outcome, and there's always going to be multiple outcomes associated with each practice, so I stick with the primary outcome. And, and so this, the practice of gratitude, the primary a- outcome for the practice of gratitude is positivity. And so positivity just, right, it's just that energetic increase. And I, I started doing this, bookending my days is what I called it, but just you know, five, 10 minutes, just connecting, getting present. We know there's going to be challenges ahead. I, it's kind of, kind of like putting on a, a suit of armor uh, without getting into scripture, right? We could, uh, or getting going into stoicism or what have you, but gratitude, just connecting with what we're present, present and grateful for in our lives, shelter, shoes, clean water, my heart beats, I can see, I can think, I can hear. Doesn't matter how simple. I love my wife. My son's a beautiful human, right? And I got great, nothing but great people around me. When we connect with that positivity, man, that just really kind of gives us some, some and bolsters us for the road ahead and, and just kind of gets us ready for what's next. Yeah, and that's one of those ones that that sounds cliche because it, it should be cliche, right? Cliches are cliche because there's a lot of, of meaning behind it. But to your point, Andy, if you look at any sort of religious text or stoicism and philosophy, they all come back to gratitude. And, and to your point, there's always something to be thankful for, whether it's personal life, business life, whatever it is, where we woke up today and we we have the chance to be on this adventure. So there's there's something that we can be thankful for. A hundred percent. I mean, ancient wisdom, I mean, it's everywhere. So I feel like it's just critical. This is just uh, the tool that you need to, not just nice to talk about, but actually own and incorporate. And that's a big distinction. I mean, these are practices. Uh, I, I've always been really passionate about, I'm tired of uh, learning about concepts that I don't know how to integrate into my life to move the needle in my life. So I'm tired of talking about concepts. Right? Great, I, I'll do that later, but I really need to have these, these practices that help move the needle in my life. Um, that, and, and that's a big, that's just a big one. And, and gratitude is is critical for the road ahead. It's just well, I, I like your thought about practice too, because that's something that I, I use in my own head a lot too. It, everything's a practice. We're all trying to get somewhere. Someone had, had mentioned me a long time ago, don't call it workout, call it a fitness practice because you're getting better. If you keep telling yourself you're going to work, like it's a different mentality where you're going into a practice, you're open, you're inviting, you're trying to get better. It doesn't have to be perfect. This is a practice. A hundred percent. I mean, it's like going to the gym. It, it, it connects to being kind to ourselves. It, all too often, we're so hard on ourselves, and we're our own worst critic. And and some people seem to be kind of take pride in that. And I'm like, careful, uh, you know, I'm obsessive compulsive. That's not good. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't want to tell yourself that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, other people like, oh, I might be like, 
your perfectionism is is a good thing. No, right. That's a psychological, unhealthy, not good relationship. It's actually a disorder. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the next one you got for us, Andy? All right, now we're going to dig in, right? We've positioned our mind and heart. We've we've gotten complete with the past. We're connected. We have a gratitude practice with positivity. We're clear. And now we're going to start to the practice of getting uncomfortable. And getting uncomfortable, the primary outcome of getting uncomfortable is trust. It doesn't matter how small. If you, I started, I took on 75 hard in January in St. Louis here in the Midwest. And so if you know anything about that, it's, yeah. it's you know, one workout has to be outside. And, um, and we had one of the worst winters. It was, you know, negative 20 wind chills and I'm a coastal guy. So cold is, and I don't go well. Um, and sure enough, I find myself Every morning, uh, I had developed a routine where I had everything done by noon, and I just had to finish the gallon of water. But I was out in that cold, and every single time, and I did four and a half miles of hills in the park, and every time I got uncomfortable, whether that's on a motorcycle or in this, in this challenge I took on, it's an opportunity to win. It's an opportunity to overcome your own um, you know, reservation. Right, you get to kind of rise to the challenge and overcome and win, and it's just like nobody really likes going to the gym necessarily, but you love how you walk out of there, right? You don't you don't like that nervous moment before something, but you like how at the end of it, and and I think that's the practice of getting uncomfortable, and you can do that in any little way. I've been taking cold showers for over two years, um, and some cold is colder than other cold. <laughs> so there are times when it's still a little bit shocking as recently as this past weekend um i thought it was going to be cold but it was way colder and it still shook me a little bit oh <laughs> but it establishes anytime right you, you cross through that barrier you establish a deeper level of trust in yourself and when you have a deeper level of trust in yourself you can trust others more and it really just uh it really cultivates a greater sense of confidence in yourself as well yeah, said, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, it's fine. So, so I I am a cold shower guy, and, and I'm also a fixer, right? And what I found, Andy, is right. I mean, you look at it and go, for me, being a fixer, and I want to solve everything. The answer is a foot in front of me, right? I I can fix this cold shower problem by just turning the knob, but but it for the for the past six months, I've been on this, you know, this thought process and and really this journey of sitting with discomfort, right? Because if you sit with it long enough, it's gone, right? I mean, the the cold shower at some point stops being cold. It doesn't stay cold the whole time you're in there. You, you, me about two minutes in, I've forgotten that I'm standing in the cold shower, right? And it's just the shower, but, but, and I think that's a missing component of you don't stay in uncomfortable forever because ultimately it, you, you build a home there, right? I mean, you, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. So, so inherently that that part is gone. And, and I do think that's missing in, in lives and certainly it was missing in mine. But yeah, that that cold shower thing, because again, the solution's right there in front of me. And every day that I don't choose to say, ah, not, not today and just turn it up a little bit. To your point, I get out and go, I did it again. I made it and I'm better for it and I feel better. There's a lot in that. Yeah. So Andy, you mentioned trust. So I'm curious about when you, when you say that getting uncomfortable leads to trust. My my take on the way you're describing it is is you're building trust with yourself. And to Scott's point, 
you get uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. And I, I said this to my son yesterday when we were paddling, up, paddling out to waves. He, he couldn't get out. It was just really a hard paddle because the waves were so big. And I said, look, if, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I think that's, you know, that's what that uncomfortable level is. It's like, you got to push through that. You got to be willing to put yourself into that uncomfortable space so that you know that you can accomplish it the next time that is put in front of you. And I, I don't want to sound like, you know, the old generation looking down on, on what's coming next, but it does feel like our culture right now is in a place where people are opposed to getting uncomfortable. Everybody likes to be comfortable, right? They like to sit behind their device and spend their time inside when we really do as a culture need to figure out how do we, how do we make ourselves uncomfortable? So back, back to you, Andy, is when we get uncomfortable and you mentioned trust, is that trust with ourselves or is it trust with others? Ourselves, right? We trust that we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, it just kind of really speaks to your brain's thoughts are not your thoughts. I'll never forget going through this training program and, and one of the sessions we sat there and we were kind of kind of led into this deep meditative space where we we're gonna shut off our minds and we weren't gonna think anything at all. We go kind of get the music settles down and got really comfortable. Right? We're going to think nothing at all. Just shut the brain off. And they go down and go down to the beach. Silent. And, all right, we're going to come back out of this. And it was like, all right, who was successful and not thinking a single thought? It's impossible. You can't do it. Your brain's thoughts are not your thoughts. And so that fear barrier, that's just your brain. Right? Its job is to keep you safe and alive and comfortable. I remember giving a talk to the GEO Convention to a bunch of geophysicists and geoscientists in Canada. And I'm like, what, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> right? I have no idea. But it was a rapidly changing world. And so there, as an industry, geoscientists are really struggling to adjust to change. And so, and that speaks for all of us. With the onset of technology, and I make a reference to the movie Wally. Uh, if you remember that movie where they're just moving blobs, and literally in the description from Pixar, they're unchallenged blobs. And it was the Library of Congress voted that movie into the Library of Congress because it was socially relevant and significant. And so, yeah, getting getting uncomfortable, and, and you can practice in any way you want, but you can really kind of put a, a turbocharger on it when you align it with your vision as well. But definitely, uh, it's just starting is, is the big piece, and it really does uh, cultivate a deeper level of trust that uh, tricks your brain. That you'll be okay and you can really start to achieve um great things uh, in, a, in a quick order uh so number four exploring the unknown right it's more than a, a practice in curiosity right it's exploring the unknown inside of yourselves and outside of yourself uh the primary outcome for, for exploring the unknown is insight when you're aligning your actions against that vision we talked about, these insights aren't random, right? It's kind of like shining a light on the next step of your path. And so when you practice being curious, you practice exploring the unknown inside of you, what more is left for me to grow? Where can I grow right now? What is available for me to learn in this contrasting experience? Like all of contrast, like anything that is an undesired experience in your day-to-day life, is contrast, which is what I call it, right? 
And, and there's always something available for you to learn and grow and how to leverage that for your own growth and development. And you don't know necessarily what all is available. There's, there's a lesson to learn kind of, you just don't know every all around us all the time. There's something that we can for us to get or an insight into what's next for ourselves, or even as something as simple as just right exploring outside of ourselves. If you're an introvert, ask a stranger a question. People are fascinated. You don't know what you're going to pick up along the way. Explore the unknown. Get curious, both again, inside of you and outside of you. And you'll start to see these predictable insights drop in each day that are and maybe in the middle of the night. Mine are often in the middle of the night. Uh, keep that tablet next to the bed and take notes uh, constantly. But they're, they're not uh, random insights. Uh, you can really steer this thing. Love it. And, yeah, for, for me, again, and I, I think it's a big part. And, and Adam and I, I think are, are probably best at this one, although I think we're pretty good at gratitude. But but I mean, in, in a lot of things, pushing in the you know, this podcast for us, probably we were equally hesitant for our, our, our own reasons. But I mean, this has been this push into this podcast thing, the doors it's open and just how it's how it certainly shed shed light for me and painted me in a different direction. Andy, I am the anti-networking guy right i mean i just all of these things go against who i am so this has been a shift for me but i mean it's been it's been incredible and and you know adam and i walking in into it together has just been has been a huge touch for both of us as well and as much as i think we we talk about it on a personal level i think everything you're saying andy correlates to the business level as as well i think that as as businesses and scott said it well that whatever you're doing in your personal life as business leaders you're going to bring into the business anyway so the more that we explore these ideas personally obviously we're going to we're going to carry them into the business but i i think to your point on on this one uh, in particular, exploring the unknown, especially as things are changing. You know, you're talking about geophysicists changing. We're talking about the vacation rental industry changing. I think the common theme is that the world is changing very, very rapidly. And the way for us to uh, make the most of whatever those changes are is to evolve with those changes. And the only way to do that is to be curious and be open and to take that step into whatever that unknown is. And it might feel uncomfortable, but you build that trust with yourself by taking that first step. You get it a hundred percent. I mean, uh, in a world where everybody likes to be right all the time, right? Constantly. I, I mean, sometimes people, you can have conversations and they can't even hear you. Um, <laughs> they, they're already just kind of on there, uh, kind of saying the same thing nonstop. Um, and, and they just don't get curious. And I think that whether it's you and your personal and professional, your know, personal development or your professional development, yeah, absolutely. Practicing uh, just being curious and, and seeing what's next um, is, a, is a very healthy exercise. Well, I know that we're coming up the end and I know that you got one more, but you gave us a spoiler alert. So there's two. So let's make sure we leave time to get to get to the sixth one as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, happy to. Um, so number five is seeking excitement. Right. Obviously, these all are kind of derived from just adventure, right? I just looked up, I Googled adventure uh, and I started to really practice and explore these ideas of adventure. And, and seeking excitement's a part of adventure. I, I don't feel like, um, you know, every single day is the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, heck, my, my, poor, my parent-in-laws, they were walking home from church and got hit by a car from a lady. She, they didn't, right? You don't know what's going to happen. So this idea of control or having it all figured out, 
just not true. And I think seeking excitement when you're practicing the other practices, it's almost like a kid at Christmas time. You know Santa's coming, you just don't know what he's bringing. So you have a reason to be excited when you're doing these other practices because something is, it can't not happen. Something's going to transform or show up or a shift or an insight. Something's going to happen. And there's a reason to kind of get excited about, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm doing these other practices and something's going to happen. Right. You know, we, we hadn't had a whole lot of conversation, but sure enough, I'm looking at a vacation rental and, and I don't know a whole lot about that industry. And we are moving from a long-term rental and transition back to a 1031 exchange to a vacation rental. And we don't know what that's going to look like. Kind of excited about it. You know, nervous, excited. And so, you know, that's just one example. I, I, hey, I look forward to having a conversation when this, this interview's over. So we can <laughs> talk more about vacation rental. But it's also, so you have a reason to be excited. But in this day and age where everybody's running around so doggone busy, be intentional about seeking excitement. Who couldn't use a little more fun and joy in their life? I mean, we're not just kind of victims with no control of our lives, to, and, right? If, if you need some fun because you're feeling a little exhausted and bored or go do something fun, go seek a little excitement, whatever that looks like for you. And so, yeah, that outcome, the primary outcome of seeking excitement is um, it's energy, right? It really infuses your life with some joy and some fun and some energy. And so, and who couldn't use that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the common thread of life, I, I don't think that it was, we're all here to be a cog in the wheel and, you know, just go about our business and put on the blinders and just go one step in front of the other into to the working world every day. I think to your point, Andy, we, we should be finding a thread of excitement through everything that we're doing. Yeah. 100%. I don't, well, well, thank you, Andy, for joining us today. We will put- I got, a, we, got, we got the sixth one, Conrad. He's got one more to pull out. Oh, sorry. The bonus. That's all the right, PS. All right. We, all right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please do. Please do. It's, I think it's just something to pay attention to. Um, I discovered The Adventurous Mind by Tom Morris, who really uh, wrote the forward for, he endorsed the book, and, and uh, it, that, his work in The Adventurous Mind is, uh, just resonated with me big time. And he and I were having an exchange on LinkedIn, and um, we were talking about listening. And I posed a question to Tom Morris. He's a Yale PhD, modern-day philosopher, uh, an advisor to CEOs around the world, written over 30 books, right? Best-selling author. Um, and we were talking about listening. And I, I was like, so, so there's healthy and unhealthy listening. And we had this exchange and it really, I had this thought as I kind of reflected on that, the value of a, of a listening practice. And I have to, right? How this is practical for me was with how I heard my wife. We, we have very different communications, communication styles. And sometimes what she says is not necessarily her the heart with which she's saying it. And I have to shift from what she's saying to listening to her differently so that I, I really hear the heart behind what she's saying. And it helps me reframe what she said. And so how we listen to our spouses, our partners, the world around others, right? It's, it's You can have healthy listening, unhealthy listening, loaded, unloaded, or you come and show up just charged. You can't hear anything, right? So a listening practice. You know, how do you how do you hear the world? Listening to ourselves. What are you listening to? Right? What are you telling yourself that you're listening to? 
What you, you have an ear gate. What are you feeding yourself? And so that can be applied in so many different areas. But there's definitely a need uh, and, and a justifiable reason to in, incorporate a listening practice in, uh, into everyday life. I, I will 100% agree with that. And I think that um, to your point, Andy, there's a couple levels to that. One is, you know, learning how to listen to the other person, whoever that other person is, business, personal, whatever it is. But I think the other part that I would I would stress, and I, I try to practice this, but I think it also correlates the industry very well, is choose the information that you want to put inside of your head, right? Don't just go for the information that is supporting whatever your belief is and continue to drive into that belief that may or may not be the correct belief. And don't also go on the opposite side and just fear monger. We got to figure out what is the right things that we want to put into ourselves so we can build the future that we want to build. Uh, I, and I just as a quick example, I, I talk about that with my kids all the time when they talk about watching a scary movie. It's like, why do I want to watch something like that and put that into my head? It doesn't make any sense to me. But I know for some people, I guess it works. I also, I also don't like roller coasters that much, Adam. Like, I don't mind a mild roller coaster, but I hate these ones where like your head is slamming against the side yes. of things. And I'm like, all I do is get a headache from this. I'm just like, it's right. not that I'm terrified of it. Like I've, <laughs> I've conquered the fear. I've done the ride, but I'm just like, I just don't want to do it again. You know, like I don't want to put that in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I like my head just not slamming into the side of things. And my wife and I have gotten a little debates about it. So it's all good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All good. Well, yeah. Thank you, Andy, for the bonus one yes. there. People stick around this long. We should give them the, the full Monty for sure. So we appreciate that. Um, yeah, we are at time here, Andy. I'm sure we could keep going because there's so many layers to peel up, apart here. And I'm sure you spent a lot of time working on the book and putting it uh, together. So we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. People can certainly check it out and I'm sure buy it wherever books are sold. We typically put a link to Amazon in there, Andy, if that's okay with you. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn as well. People want to check out more about what you have to offer. It looks like you do speaking and other engagements too. So people can reach out and connect with you in that way. We thank you for joining us here on the Art of Hospitality and, and the conversation today. Adam Scott and I will be back next week. If you enjoyed this conversation, hopefully you did, you can come back you can leave us a review and rating that would make us feel that would be an adventurous thing for someone to do just go to your podcast app of choice you hit five stars and it makes us really happy too so we thank you uh, thanks for your time andy adam and scott great to chat with you guys as always and we'll be back next week with a new new episode